If green is your favorite color or your way of living, then Grounded is the place for you. From big environmental solutions to your own backyard, wherever in the universe you may be, join me, Melanie Walker, on a journey to a cleaner, greener life. Grounded, your window on the environment. Woohoo! And I've got one of my favorite gardening people in studio with me today. It's always an absolute pleasure to welcome Carrie Goodwin from Life as a Garden into the hot seat. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's so exciting to be here. No, also I also love it, chatting to you all the time. I know, but you're so good at this. Yeah. I mean, it, it is such a delightful thing when you have somebody who's just as passionate about plants and, and you really are passionate about plants. Absolutely. I almost stop people and they, when they're taking their trolleys out the garden center and they've got pavers or things on it, I'm like, what are you doing? Where is the green? <laughs> and they're like, look at me. And I'm like, okay, maybe we can just put one little plant to put like a ground cover in between all the pebbles and the stones. And our team are saying to me, guys, just let the trolley go. Let it go. <laughs> <laughs> it is a so, difficult thing. I mean, so many people come to my house and they go, hmm, and you're a garden designer. <laughs> So I'm like, yeah. They said, but you know, um, this isn't what we were expecting. I said, what, you're expecting lots of hard landscaping and a very beautifully manicured garden. I said, yeah. this garden is the best designed garden you'll ever come across. They're like, how so? I said, because yeah. I do no maintenance in it and I don't water it. And look, my garden is full of plants. Yeah. That is what is for me a proper garden. Life in a garden. Life is a, is garden. a garden. There we go. And I think that's what, for me, is the same sort of thing, is your garden actually has to reflect who you are as a person. Mm. You know, I love the idea that people do get people to help them do their gardens and that sort of thing. And it's always a starting block. But then I think you have to start putting in what you like or what you think. Like for my garden, it's basically for me, the birds and the cats, which is an oxymoron already because <laughs> I have to prevent the you cats the whole from eating the birds. Going there, yeah. <laughs> but it's just, and that's what life as a garden is all about as well, is taking the ideas that we give you and then implementing them in your own space, whether mm. it be your garden, your patio, your balcony, in your house, because maybe you don't have a garden, patio or balcony, even in your kitchen. I can't believe how indoor plants are becoming so trendy again. They're one but, of the big trends worldwide for 2020. And I think yeah. it's, I actually did some research into this. Yeah. And it's not just, um, you know, we all grew up with houseplants, mm. being gardeners and, and people, you know, who were gardeners with us. Yeah. So we've always had uh, the African violets and peace lilies and spathophyllum and whatever, palms here, there and everywhere. Yeah. But now, because... The younger generation, I'm talking about school leavers up to maybe 30, 35, they haven't bought their own houses yet, so they don't have gardens. But it's also because of Instagram. Instagram has become one of the biggest proponents of putting plants indoors. And yeah. I know this because my teenagers keep saying, Mom, look what I've seen. We want these plants. I'm like, no, because they end up in the bathroom in the hospital. Oh, no. Because I end up looking after them. But it's because there are so many influencers mm. who say – Look at all these plants that I've got. It's become a, a big thing mm. amongst the 20s and 30s for them to say, I've collected these plants. Look at my delicious monster. Yes. And, and they show the pictures of them and the whole house is full of plants. And everybody, oh, that's so cool. I've got to do it too. Yeah. Because they are being influenced to do it. And it's not only just your green, evergreen plants, although we've got some the most beautiful calatheas mm. in recently that we haven't seen for years. And my excitement with those is, and I tell the customers, you know, their leaves close at night. And if you listen very carefully, you could actually almost hear the rustling of the leaves close. 
And so my one customer, she I'm says, not putting that in my bedroom. I'm wondering who's creeping around. Well, Good that's Lord. what she said. She said, oh, I'm going to give it to my daughter as a surprise. And then she'll hear this little rustling and wonder what's going on. I'm thinking, oh, no, okay, maybe I'll stop telling customers that. But also what we found recently with Valentine's Day is that a lot of customers actually moved away from the roses mm. and they put, we had like heart succulents mm. and that sort of thing. And they moved towards succulents as well. So I thought, how interesting is that, that people are thinking water-wise, even in terms of their gifting. Um, so yeah, it was quite a nice change. Well, succulents also, mm. once again, still, they say it's a big trend worldwide, but it's always been a trend here in South Africa. So mm. there are a lot of things that have come up, you know, every year the, the Telegraph in England, did mm. like hot new trends for yes. this year. And that's, I think a lot of people will follow those trends around the world because we have our own trends here in South Africa, indeed. And mm. most of them, we are the trendsetters because we have so many problems that they don't have. Yeah. And we also <clears> have <throat> such a nice climate, so we can get yes. away with a lot more. But one thing I think that everybody does tend to follow, and a lot of people in the gardening industry as well, especially when it comes to having clients who are on point and they need to update their look of and their new personality in their garden or their home is the Pantone color of the year. <gasps> Too true. We and, do that every year. Yeah. <laughs> and this year it's classic blue, which for me is fantastic. Um, oh, so it's more an indigo kind of like mm. the darkish blue indigo kind of color, classic yeah. blue. Um, but then, you know, with the gardeners sit there and say, but um, <clears throat> we have a bit of a problem with this because there aren't really that many blue plants now, are they? And that's what you think that there's not a lot of blue plants naturally, but then all of a sudden you start looking through and the Agapanthus blue velvet, yeah. that is the plant of the year if you were going in terms of true colors, yes. which is such an amazing plant. And I mean, Agapanthus ticks all the right boxes in South Africa. Oh, it's water-wise, it's indigenous, it attracts the bees. It's the number one plant on my shopping list every single time. It's sex on stalks. <laughs> My goodness. And you can have a sea of them. Yes. And, <laughs> and, and black and blue of... as well. I mean, that's also just absolutely divine. And there's yeah, got the pale so blue, that little uh, dwarf one as there's well. There's a dwarf one. And there's the twister, which is the bicolor, the blue and the white. Mm. So, I mean, when you go into a garden center now, you are really spoiled for choice in the different colors of agapanthus. And we always used to think that they only flowered in November. To me, November was agapanthus month mm. or, or October, November. But now you'll find a lot of them are actually flowering twice in the year. Yes. And, and so that's also quite an exciting thing. So a lot of them are actually coming into their second bloom now going into March. So I think it is one of those plants that you, everybody should have. And they do well in containers, pots, rockeries. You know, they're very versatile. Mm. And, and they're water-wise. They're water-wise. And they're also one of those plants that you can share. Because I love the fact that gardens, people have plants and then they multiply by themselves. And maybe they're taking a bit too much space in your garden. And so then you just share them with a friend. You lift them up, split and divide them. Please don't say, oh, goodness, <laughs> the nurseries. <laughs> there's lots of divide. <laughs> well, there's a, there's a property up around the corner from my, where I live, and their verge is so yeah. full of dietes and aggies, and they're so overcrowded. And I keep on thinking, I think I need to – I can't just go and dig up their verge, yeah. even though it is public property. <laughs> Maybe I should go and offer – and and say, look, I'll I'll split them and replant, and you know we'll yeah. we'll give to the people in the area, go and beautify some, but purely because I want the aggies. <laughs> uh, but blue, blue, another. I mean, we've just started shooting again for a, a new season that's coming up on the Home Channel called Beyond the Hedge. Oh, so we're not doing gardening exciting. 101 this time. We're actually going and looking at big gardens that oh, lie beyond those walls <gasps> that you never usually get to see. 
Oh, the so special. Yes. Yeah, that's going to be a real treat so, for the eyes. Yeah, so, I mean, gardens yeah. that we won't see, um, some of them obviously are gardens that they will open once a year on mm. the kind of the charity circuit or the open garden mm. circuit. But when the one garden I went to, it was so refreshing to walk in, dark green, glossy background, and in the front, Chinese yeah. plumbago. <gasps> that is Very that, nice. That iridescent, almost electric blue. Yes. And it's quite an old-fashioned plant, and you don't find it around very easily yeah. anymore. But it, that, yeah, serotistigma. Yes. Think, yeah. And, oh, you're so right. It's just gorgeous. And it jumps out at you and says, look at me, but in a very peaceful way. Mm. And I think that's what the color of blue also does. You know, we live in quite a harsh environment. So when you have a plant that can actually make you feel calm and make you feel peace. In Life as a Garden, they talk about a happy garden and grow a happy place for you. And I think that's what, especially this color that we're going to be talking about, is the blue does that. It creates a peacefulness, calmness, happiness for you. A coolness as well, especially up here on the high part with the heat that we've been having. If you sit in a garden that's just got white and blue flowers, it's so calm. Mm. It just really does, you think, well, you're not thinking I'm at the sea, but those colors kind of ease the mind quite a lot. Whereas the reds and the oranges are very vibrant and look at me, I'm a doing plant. Mm. You know, and I'm vibrant and I'm going to make you hot. <laughs> yeah. but Which I, some like it hot. <laughs> <laughs> some do like it hot. But then, you, I mean, going yeah. back to the blues again, it's good. Mm. Felicia's. That wasn't even on my list. I was thinking more the salvias. Yes. You've mentioned the plumbagos, the badlia. You know, there's quite a few badlias. Yes. And then one of my favorite, also an uh, unusual plant, but indigenous, is the, used to be called Maricoid, uh, no, Rathika, Cleodendra Maricoides, cat's whiskers. Oh, yes, okay. Yes. yes, and now it's called Rithika Maricoides. And that one is beautiful because it has that bicolor in it. It's a really nice indigenous background plant. And then it also attracts the birds. So it's the lovely fruit for mm, the birds mm. to come and, you know, make a different sound in your garden, a different feeling. And so I quite like that. I have that in my garden where <laughs> the cats like to lie underneath it and wait for the birds wait. to come <laughs> and eat the fruit. Well, but, my, my cats go after birds and... and Happily, happily, I've got a hunter that likes going after rats. <laughs> oh, that's very good, actually, because my goodness, the rats also quite a problem at the moment. But it's, it is one of those things you need to have a, a sense of peace and calm in the garden. And mm. I mean, a lot of grasses as well. If you put like these things, just have a little extra little area where the seed heads are for mm. the birds and they get that noise, that shush, the susurration of, of yes. the grasses waving in the wind. Yeah. It just also eases the mind. Little pond of water somewhere. Yes, we have a lot of customers. And actually, when you're putting in your ponds of water, we had one yesterday who was saying to us, you know, you have to watch your depth mm. because or put a stick in it so that if the bees want to drink, they don't drown. If your lizard's going in to drink. So just watch your depths of your ponds or your water or put something in that, you know, the bees can actually get to it easily and not drown. And your lizards can take a little slurp and little yeah. landing strips going into the water. Like yeah. A boat ramp. Yeah. And then we had an interesting one where a customer was actually asking to exchange one of their bird baths because at the bottom of the bird bath was a nakhapi. Mm. And they said, it's so strange. We have two in our garden and the birds don't particularly like the one with the nakhapi underneath it. Maybe they feel that it's a cat <laughs> sitting there. <laughs> and so they said, please, can we just change it for one that doesn't have an animal underneath? And I never thought the birds would be so wise even though it's a concrete thing that they would be see that image and think maybe this <laughs> is so not where i'm going to be hanging out <laughs> that is actually very funny yeah but now you're saying so, about sharing and sharing is caring mm. to barney anyway um, <laughs> sometimes sharing is not caring so just be careful who you share with and how uh it, it, as i say 
want to go and split agapanthus, want to yeah. share seeds with people. This is one of my big things is that mm-hmm. whenever I get given seeds or bulbs or anything, everybody else that I know gets them as well. Yes, we and have quite a few of our friends and suppliers that actually do the same thing. Yes, and, yeah. and, and it is this thing that I think that Life as a Garden is trying to put across to people, not to take you know, business away from no, the no, garden no. centers. but Lots to go around. Um, there's certain countries where – Somewhere in Africa where they turned around and, and were actually putting people in jail or fining them for, sh- for seed sharing. And no they tried to do way. that down in, in um, Pondoland as well, down in the Transkei for some reason. I can't remember why. Maybe it was the wacky backy. No, I don't think so. <laughs> but um, it, it's one of those things that I'm sitting here and thinking, well, seed sharing is such a fantastic thing, especially if you've got heirlooms. Yes. No, I think it's very, very important. And I think you actually, you know, by seed sharing or by even, as you were saying, the bulbs, cutting them up, because your plants do become overgrown. Mm-hmm. Three to five years, you need to be able to split and divide your plants. And you need to be able to give that to somebody else. And there's so many people when you drive around now that the landscapes are harsh. They're putting in buildings. Just even if you, I want to say, share the plants with them on the pavement mm. because I mean the problem that we're having with all the flooding in Gauteng at the moment is because we have so many road surfaces and then vacant land where there's no plants on them mm. so if you could share with those where you've got to see an open spot you know maybe just try and donate some plants to those open spots so that at least we can prevent the soil erosion slow the water down so mm. it doesn't actually goes back into our water tables doesn't end up on our roads and in the river before it gets to soak into anything. And I think that's the importance of planting plants where you see empty spaces and it goes back again, even if it was seeds. Um, and so in one of the magazines, they had the beautiful idea of making seed balls. Seed bombs. Uh, seed bombs, that's it. Oh, no, Michael, and then, Michael Rickoff and I have been doing seed bombs for years. We love yeah. them. You just take um, some clay soil, put the mm. seeds inside, put them into a little ball, walk past a vacant spot, especially like in summertime, and just, Chuck it on over, lob it over the fence. Yeah. Uh, one of the favorite ones you say in summertime, I always think that one of the easiest seeds to grow is coming up now when we go into autumn and winters and the maculand daisies. Yes. So, I mean, to put those seeds into a little seed bump as well, then you're going to have, like we were speaking, the opposite of the cool colors, all your riotous colors. But it will be quite bright and cherry in winter mm. when maybe we're looking for those warm colors again. Or even just uh. take a whole bunch of rocket, rocket seeds. There's <gasps> a whole field of rocket. <laughs> I'm not talking about the things that blast off into the sky. I'm talking about the edible ones. Yeah, I'm more likely to do the blast off into the sky. But (laughs) but now it's so strange you say that. I said to a customer, they took two rocket plants. And I said to them, why are you taking two? It grows wild in their garden. And then they said, no, not like we use it. We use it so frequently in our cooking and in everything that we don't ever seem to have enough plants. And I'm like, wow, I thought rocket was like a weed. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. So I think most people do, like mint is also seems to grow very rampant in people's gardens, mm-hmm. especially have nice, moist, shady gardens. And then rocket to me also does grow very nicely. Mm. But obviously they use it so much, which is what your garden is there for. You know, your garden is to, you know, especially your vegetables and herbs. I think there's nothing worse than the intention of planting and have the beautiful vegetable garden, but then you never use it. Uh, exactly. It would break my heart. I, I once made a mistake of actually... Overplanting rocket seeds. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder it grows wild in your garden. <laughs> so I went and supplied the, all the restaurants in, on Parker's Fourth Avenue Strip. It was yeah. quite a few years ago, and I just said, "Do you want rocket? Here, have a bag." Yeah. <laughs> I gave them all fresh, organic rocket from oh. my garden because I just had too much. Now I make pesto with it and freeze it. 
Well, that's what Life as a Garden was talking about, is if you've got an oversupply of your harvest vegetables, then you could preserve them. Mm. So you could be, and even your fruits at the moment, like a lot of the berries are fruiting really nicely. You could make them into jams. You could go and um, turn in um, your peppers as well. You know, those are doing incredibly well. Mm. All your green, your red peppers, your chili peppers, they're all doing fantastically. So those could be used in either your stews or not stews in summer. Um, oh, Why not? Cold stews. <laughs> no way. <laughs> we, you would be very, very impressed. I went away with some foodies. And, and you actually ate green things. I actually ate green things like four out of the <laughs> seven meals that we had actually involved vegetables. Okay. We, for those of you who don't know Carrie, she is a chocolate nut. In fact, she thinks everything should be covered in chocolate, yeah. in chocolate including kale. Because that's Absolutely. the only way she'll eat it. And so exciting. There's another new crop that's going to be come out soon, which is a cross between a kale and a maroch called collard. Collard and greens. Yes. yes. Oh, and I know about them. Have I'm you English. tasted it? Yes. I tasted it for the first time and I thought, oh, this is actually a vegetable I might like. It's got kind of a bit of a sweet taste mm. and not nearly as tart or bitter as kale. And I was like, mm, mm, mm. maybe I'm going to become a foodie after all. <laughs> Sorry for me, life is too short to eat kale. Okay, so what else has Life as a Garden got on the agenda this month? If we go back into the foodie side of things, which I thought was a wonderful recipe, especially in light of the whole move towards veganism and vegetarian, is they called it, um, they had a recipe for plantong. And I'm thinking, what the heck is plantong. that? Yeah. Right. Something from <laughs> Thailand. <laughs> yeah. So actually they had taken um, eggplant mm. and dehydrated it, put it, marinated it for half an hour in wonderful spices mm. and then dehydrated it and created a lovely, um, I want to say the equivalent of biltong. For the carnivores, we would eat biltong and for the people who are vegan or vegetarian, they would eat plantong. Plantong. And it sounds actually quite delicious. So, well, I suppose it depends on whether you're somebody who can eat the deadly nightshades, your solanums. Mm. Okay, because brinjal, you were saying about peppers, yeah. um, tomatoes, potatoes, those are all nightshades. And if you are oh. prone to inflammation in your body, by the way, health tip 101, if you're prone to inflammation in your body, mm. maybe cut those out of your diet to start off with and see if your inflammation works a bit better or gets less, mm. shall I say. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm a tomato fanatic and I suddenly thought, hang on a second, and, and cayenne pepper. Oh my goodness. I live those on those all, things. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sitting there thinking I had to cut these out of my diet for a while to see if this, that was actually causing a problem in my, in my life. Anyway, so mm -hmm. not to frighten you, it might not affect you, but this plantong yeah. does sound actually quite interesting. I, as I said, I just read the recipe and I thought even I could try that. Are it you going to make it and, and let us know how it goes? <laughs> well, I was really not thinking last year, October, November, when you should have been planting your eggplants. Well, that's okay. I can tell you where you can get them. Right oh. next to your nursery. Yes, I can go to the garden the Rio, shed. The real garden yes. shed. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, I should go because, and I haven't seen a lot around. You know how you have years where there's lots of fruit available yes. and then not a lot. And I hadn't seen a lot. And I've been asking the customers what the eggplants are looking like. And they said to me, they're actually doing great in yeah, their no, gardens. Oh, you must see the ones, the black beauties that they've got there. Oh my mm. goodness, they're huge and rampant. Yeah. So maybe I'm going to go and um, visit them next week, Wednesday, and see what I can find in trying to... Yeah, make this plant on. I'm going to let you know how it goes next Please time do. we speak. That sounds like a good thing. Yeah. yeah. But, and also, you know, when you talk about the tomatoes, and I understand that they could be causing inflammation, um, but they're also basic. Like, they, we went to Ma uh, Mayford's Trials Days recently, mm. their Farmer's Day, and the tomatoes that they had growing on 
all the different plants and the different varieties they had were exquisite. And I think in people's gardens, the tomatoes are doing amazingly well. The one thing I always think is interesting with tomatoes is the plants could look terrible. I mean, at this time mm. of the year with the heat that we've been having, the extreme heat, and then the rain, I think the tomato plants themselves are like, oh, this is just too much hard work. They've got all that white fluffy yes. stuff all over them. They're yeah, just like, no, the pests are really bad at yeah. the moment. But the tomatoes... And the birds, they're annihilating my tomatoes. I'm most unimpressed. Oh, really? Mm. <laughs> I put but silver foil everywhere to try and frighten them off. <laughs> I remember Jane Griffith said the silver foil yeah. or those old um, tape cassettes and... I take the paper from VHS Yes, um, and make, cassettes, sh- yeah. make like a shade cloth with that. And yeah. I've tried to tell quite a few customers and they look at me like I'm bonkers. Yeah, where am I going to get a VHS <laughs> yeah. from? Come to Melanie, she has lots. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it works very well as a yeah. bird deterrent. So the tomatoes are looking really great. And it's even been a really good year for the peppers, mm. you know, and all the different varieties. I think that's what's so exciting about living in the country that we do is we actually are getting, you know, there's the, um, the little, it's a variegated chili pepper. Mm. And I'm trying to think what its name is, but it's got, it's got the sweetest taste. And yet it's supposed to be like a, um, a chili as yes. such. And there's just a lot that you can have a look around and see and how they're also trying to hybridize the peppers to make them better for say chili poppers or for what you haven't, chili had a, <gasps> you haven't had a chili popper you see you need to live on the junk food world like me <laughs> no i don't eat junk food <laughs> it's cheese and chili all mixed together so the traditional one is you stuff a chili with mm. cheese okay and then you pop it in your mouth and it becomes a chili popper oh okay well, that doesn't but, sound like junk food yeah, but if you buy it from <laughs> like McDonald's or Rocker Mamas, then it's definitely <laughs> okay, going to be junk food. <laughs> no, but, uh, but uh, I've got, I mean, you've got to also be careful what peppers you buy because, mm-hmm. um, well, I was given some sundews. Okay. Oh, yeah. And it was a little plant, like about, what, um, 10, 15 centimeters big. Yeah. It is now um, as tall as me. So it's about one and a half meters tall. Oh, wow. It has been like this for almost three years. Mm-hmm. It has not lost its leaves. It has been fruiting almost continuously mm. for three years. And the problem is that none of us in our house actually eat them. Oh, no. <laughs> so sharing is caring. Yes. I know people who do like them, so I've been giving them to them. And I've been drying out some of them. So whenever I see people, I have these little things where I've put the dried out ones for the seeds. Oh, and lovely. because it's an heirloom, yeah. I go and say, here, here's some of these. I'll tell you when to actually start propagating them. So that is my mm. way of sharing, something that I don't eat. But that, that's what it could be, is yeah. it? You don't have to share only the things that you love. I mean, probably people have different tastes. You know, I share my spinach because obviously unless it's covered in chocolate, I don't want to eat it. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I share that a lot with the people that I work with, yeah. with the people that help me in my home and that sort of thing. And they love it. And, you know, and then it's a reciprocal relationship because then when they grow something that's delicious, I know me and my niece, we went to work at, at the veggie garden at the nursery. And then she's like, Kaz, I'm going to take one leaf of this for my mom. And then I'm going to take this for my dad. And, oh, Brett will really, really like this little pepper. What was also a pepper, actually. Mm. You know, and so it's also a family affair when you go into your garden and you're able to harvest. And I see a lot more kids are actually taking that enjoyment. And they love the fact that they can go and pick a little bit here and there, taste it. I mean... The delight that you can see when the people, like, especially if it's something bitter like a calamondin, because mm. the calamondins on the fruit trees at the moment are looking actually very nice yeah. as well. But it's very, very spice, well, bitter. And so when you pop it in your mouth and then they're like, oh, you, and it normally comes flying out. But it's just, 
I think when people experience the gardens like that, and it's that whole using all your senses, mm -hmm. that's what gardening is about. And so I'm quite excited for that. Well, for me at the moment, <clears throat> gardening has become about um, only planting things that have a high yield. Because I, I did try potatoes, and yeah. I'm not doing potatoes again. It was a very, very long period of time for very little <laughs> reward. However, my sweet potatoes, yeah. very good idea. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did you plant your sweet potatoes where you bought organic ones in the shop and then went and planted them? Because yes. you can't. Uh, okay. I've done that with my ginger because it's difficult to and find ginger. And, and it's very difficult to find turmeric at the moment as well. Yes, in the garden centers. Oh, so in, then even you, in the shops at the moment. Oh, okay. <laughs> so if you take some of those, the actual, yeah, the rhizomes or the bulbs yeah. that they are, and you go and plant it, the one that's coming up, which I know the customers are anticipating, is garlic. Yes. So around about in March, we should start having garlic in the garden centers again. Come and visit us, and then you could start planting your own garlic plants. Yes, I know. There's so many well. of the like living seeds and um, hadeco. Mm. They're all bringing out these different varieties of garlic as well. So yeah. don't just – I mean, you can take the ones that you've got at home. If it starts growing, put it in the ground, see if it grows. Mm. But honestly, some of them are kind of like – then they're not heirlooms, so you, you, they won't keep on growing and won't give you as much in the way of taste. But turmeric, mm -hmm. I mean, if you yeah. see turmeric or ginger sprouting or sweet potatoes sprouting in your <laughs> vegetable drawer, go and grow it. That's what I had to do because my ginger started sprouting yeah. and I'm like, oh, I didn't know you would grow in my fruit basket. Maybe no, I must break you off and go and put you in the garden. So that's what I've been doing. I need to find out which one it is that um, puts out this white flower. Because I went to a garden the other day and yeah. I thought, oh, oh, that's a ginger. Let me smell it. I hadn't seen a white ginger because you know you go to the ginger gardens like mm. in, in Southeast Asia where that you're allowed to grow it, a lot of it because most of them are invasive here. Yes, yeah. And I went and I smelled it. It was the best smelling flower I have come across ever. Oh, I'll tell Even you when mine starts growing. Doesn't compare. To really this. was unbelievably good, and then they had next to it they had the turmeric growing, yeah, and the turmeric flowers. Well, it's exquisite. Oh, it is beautiful. And the long strappy leaves of the mm. turmeric, but mm. the turmeric flower itself, absolutely beautiful. I'm going to have to put some pictures up up um, on 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 social media because just on Instagram really worth it. <laughs> on Instagram <laughs> to make it delightful for those twenty thirty somethings who yes. need. And I think that's also a lovely way of planting now is. The plants themselves, the vegetables or herbs that you might be planting, have so much characteristic and they look so beautiful that you mm. don't have to think, oh, they have to be in a veggie garden. They could be in a pot on your patio. They could like be… Spinach bright lights. Yes. Mm. Absolutely artichoke. gorgeous. They structural Not, plants. Have you ever grown an artichoke and eaten it though? Um, no. no. I, don't I don't know anybody <laughs> who has, honestly. But it just looks so beautiful, I think. Uh, Especially even when the purple if, flower comes up. Yeah, even if you… I don't… I mean, you would do want to harvest it, but I'm thinking, No. No. I'm not going to be eating that. It just I love the structure of what it looks like. Yeah. So, yeah. But I think that's where the gardening is changing now because they're making everything interesting. And, you know, as you say on Instagram, people take a photo of it. And if they took a photo of your turmeric flower, mm. everybody would want turmeric in their garden. And it's so easy because we sell them initially as um, indoor plants. Yes. And then we say to the customers, you know, when it's finished flowering in your home, then take it outside in a shady spot, put it under a tree. But is that an actual turmeric that you can eat or is it the curcumin? It's the cumcuma. So it will come of the same family, yes, but same it's family, not one not that you can one, eat. Yeah. That's, so that's why you go and put it outside in a shady spot and maybe not quite in your vegetable garden. But it still has that same beautiful, beautiful flower and it will come back year after yeah. year after year. But do and you, after you have five admit, years, you can you split are, it. You are one of those people who has turned around and said to people when they've come in looking for turmeric and garlic to grow. Yeah. Just, Go to a good organic vegetable <laughs> shop. 
<laughs> that is where you get it from. Oh, no. But I think slowly even the garden centers are starting to see what they can put in that is healthy, will grow easily. Because, mm. I mean, we want everyone to have success with their garden and we want their garden to be the happy place. And so the best with plants that we can sell you is what we're going to do. Um, you know, I just... Oh, makes me so excited. I actually feel like I should go and get my hands dirty right now. Well, I had my hands dirty this morning, planting turmeric of all things. Oh, goodness. <laughs> right, so okay, what so else I... is there that we can share with people quickly Ooh, before we okay, go? Quickly, the, we're going to talk, talk about some of the negative things of these pests. Yes. And the pests are Hectic. terrible at the moment. Rose Ooh. leaves are looking awful. Yes. The, oh, but the flowers are, are looking, looking magnificent. Fantastic. So it should be maybe picking some of your roses, mm. put them into a vase, and then feeding your plants. You yeah. know, Life as a Garden speaks a lot about fertilizing, the different types of fertilizers you could be using. So when we're having all these pests, you actually want to make your plants stronger, just like us. You know, if your body is healthy, then you're going to fight against the pests. Your garden would work the same way. So maybe before you reach for that bottle of pesticide, rather reach for a bag of food, mm. try that first. And if that Feed doesn't the work, make them healthy. Yeah, yeah. Then go towards the pesticides. Um, the red spider is loving our climate. Ugh, oh, yeah. And they the are humidity. causing a lot of damage on everything. I mean, mm. I've heard of pests on plants that don't normally, you wouldn't even think they get plant, uh, pe pests, yeah. you know, so, uh, which is quite surprising for me. Like the red spider was on Saltus Africana which I'm thinking, why yeah, would it be okay. on that sort of a tree? Um, whitefly? Yes. On your brassicas? Yes. Yeah. And those are going to be coming, we're going to be planting a yeah. lot of those now. And then what was interesting also is the white grubs, because they come from the, they're the larvae of the Christmas beetle or the Schaefer beetle. And they actually eat a lot of organic matter, but when the, your garden is not, doesn't have enough organic matter in it, then they start eating the roots of your, le um, your lawns. Yes. And so just keep your eye out for them. You know, they're nice and big. I think the hardy dars would love them. So try and get them to come to the surface. By using an old towel, a wet towel yes. on the surface of the lawn, and then they'll come up and you take the towel away and they're all there and the hardy dars can eat them. Absolutely. So that's the way you could be gardening, you know, just creating lots of noise from the hardy dars. But it's a completely natural way to do it, Yes, um, which is great. And as I say, the, the white grubs for me were interesting because they look alien-like. And so when people see them, they're thinking, oh, my goodness, ugh, this must be causing a lot of damage. But the one beneficial thing that they're doing is they're aerating your aerating soil. The soil. And then so, the hardy dars too, yes. by sticking their beaks down. Yeah. So create the garden that's a happy place for you, for the insects, for the birds, birds. bees, pets, and your kids and your family. Well, that's what it is. Yeah. Life is a garden. Yeah. And so. have, have your life in it. <laughs> yeah. So those are mainly the pests. And we spoke about that. Oh, we almost forgot about sweet peas. But we, we might have to talk about that next time. Yeah, because it's still so, a while before we need to yes. start trenching. Yeah, All exactly. Right, so. But basically, get out there and do something. So if people want, if you want to find the recipes that uh, Carrie's been talking about or mm. any of these hints and tips, get along to www.lifeisagarden.co.za. And it's full of wonderful information from years past as well, so you can yes. go and have a look. Yeah. And we will be back again in a month to let you have more information about what to do in your gardens in the coming months. Yes, absolutely. Right. So good to see you again. Lovely to be here. Thank you very, very much. And now <laughs> you've got enough of the information to go out there and get going in your garden. And of course, above all, stay grounded. Bye-bye. You've been listening to another episode of Grounded from Solid Gold Studios in Johannesburg. For more green ideas and events, pop along to Mel's Treasures on Facebook. Facebook.